In the following live session recording, Ben O'Neill, Security Manager with Operations, Georgia Baptist Mission Board, leads a session on responding to an active shooter. This session will center around preventative measures and actions for churches to take to discourage an active shooter. The discussion will include actions to take if your church has an active shooter and the gun laws in the state of Georgia. Let's join Ben now. All right, so we'll go ahead and get started because usually a lot of times if we do this right, this will generate a lot of, a lot of discussion because uh, everybody has different experiences in their lives and this, this class, security as it pertains to churches, it's not flashy, it's not exciting, it's not something that people get excited about. Um, my name is Ben O'Neill, I'm the security manager for the Georgia Baptist Mission Board. And um, essentially what I do is, if you're part of the Georgia Baptist Convention, I come to your church and I will basically help you implement your security strategy for your church, regardless of size, where it's at, where you're at in your security posture, if you haven't even started one, all the way to a seasoned team, I will help you either massage that a little bit and make it better or start your entire program. So uh, a little bit about me. As of February the 28th of this year, I retired from the Army after 23 years. I retired as a major. Um, did my first half, enlisted, and then I uh, got selected for OCS became a major, or became an officer, retired a major, and uh, my last job was the University of North Georgia ROTC program. Uh, so that's how I ended up in North Georgia where I wanted to live since I was a kid. I've got a, uh, a bachelor's degree in criminal justice, a master's degree in security management. Um, I was a military policeman my entire career. I have five deployments, uh, four to Afghanistan, one to Iraq. Um, and I have an extensive anti-terrorism and security background. So you may ask, why church security? I'm a Christian. I've been a Christian for a long, long time. Um, and as I was sitting there pondering what I wanted to do my thesis on for my master's degree, I thought, I want to do something that nobody else does, something that interests me. So I did terrorist attacks on places of worship. And I went out into this little city, a little town outside of Fort Leonard Wood, Missouri, named St. Roberts. And I picked three churches, um, a Methodist church, a Baptist church, and a Catholic church. And I started to gather data on who comes to these churches, what kind of problems they have. And I started to realize that we have, we have issues in our churches. And it's issues that people don't really want to recognize. And they want to just either pray their way out of it or they don't want to accept the fact that it's going on. So um, fast forward several years, uh, when I got to North Georgia, I decided I would open up a business, North Georgia Security Consultants, where I specialize in going around and serving churches with their security teams. The Georgia Baptist Mission Board was one of my, my uh, clients and uh, so Three days after I retired, they offered me a job. Was not even on my radar. Had no idea I was gonna be doing it. But I'll tell you, I love doing it. I love being around George Baptist churches. And uh, so for me, this is a pleasure and an honor to be able to serve your churches so that we can keep your people safe. 
So what we're going to do is we're going to talk uh, key tasks, some statistics, some active shooter stuff, some indicators, and then we're going to go into Georgia gun law. But I'll tell you, an hour is not enough. It is not enough. So here's what I have to offer to you. If you're a Georgia Baptist church and you're part of the cooperative program, I come to your church for nothing. You call me, you call me, doesn't matter if it's a weekday or a weekend, we get on our schedule, we get our schedules worked out, and I come to your church and I look at what you need, whether it's training or an assessment of your property, and I stay there until we're done. It may be a day, it may be two days, whether it's no cost to you. It's a, it's a new new thing that the mission board is, is offering up. Okay? So keep that in mind as we start to go through this. If I hit something that jogs a memory, or you've been in a position like this, share it with the rest of us. Because through shared understanding, we learn from each other, right? Everybody has different experiences. All right, so I'd like to start off with the mission statement. What are we, why are we here? What are we doing? We want to provide a realistic, effective, and proactive security approach that encourages a safe, mission-focused fo environment, fostering trust and confidence across the church's community and mission areas. Essentially, if your congregation doesn't feel safe, what are they going to do? They're going to go where they feel safe, right? And if you, if somebody comes into your church and they kill and or hurt one, two, three, four people, what's going to happen? I'm going to take them out. <laughs> I got to watch you. Your, your, your church is going to, you're either going to split. People aren't going to come back. If your children aren't safe, people aren't going to bring their kids back. And that can cause a serious problem for you. But here's one of the issues. Anytime you have many times a security professional coming to your church, they want to talk to you about what? Reacting. React, react, react. Well, if you're reacting to something, you're probably what? You're too late. So my way of thinking and my way of teaching is let's get on the front side of it. All right, let's, let's figure out what we have to do to identify that, per that person or that problem and stop it before it affects what's going on in our church. Because the last thing we want to do is we don't want to discourage growth. We want to make sure that our missions and outreach programs are safe so that we can grow and share the good work, right? That's the point. All right, so on TV, we hear active shooter. Another active shooter today. Another active shooter happened today in a school or in a church or something like that, but nobody ever tells us what it is. You know, because the news, they're not really concerned about what you want or explaining to you why it happened. They just want to tell you what happened and move on to the next story. So before we get into the active shooter response part, I, I want to, we want to define it. We want to you know, put a definition to it and tell you what it is, all right? So an active shooter is an individual actively engaged in killing or attempting to kill people in a confined and populated area. Most of the time, this is what it is. You're my target and everything between me and you is collateral damage. Doesn't matter age, creed, race, anything. Anything in my way is gonna get destroyed as long as I can get to you. That's essentially what an active shooter is. In most cases, active shooters use firearms. There's no pattern or method to their selection of victims. 
Alright? Situations are unpredictable and evolve quickly. It usually results in mass chaos and nobody knowing what to do or how to do it. Usually the only way that it stopped is what? Law enforcement. Law enforcement. We've seen it on TV. We've seen them bust on folks for standing outside the door not wanting to go in. Uh, we've seen police officers stack up against the outside of the wall and as they they all get there they rush in and, and that's usually the only thing that will stop a, an active shooter scenario or situation. Situations usually last 10 to 15 minutes. Realistically it's more like 7 to 12. So it's quick. Really, really fast. Individuals must both be mentally and physically prepared to deal with the situation. It is a scary situation. Has anybody been part of anything like this ever? I've been in combat. Okay. Vietnam? Yep. Okay. So you know what I'm saying, right? Yes, sir. Combat. Okay. Rangers go to combat? Every now and then. I'm just kidding. I think I heard of those guys once. We'll let that slide right oh, okay. Yes, sir. Uh, you mentioned a minute ago about uh, picking somebody to target. How many events occur randomly versus someone picking out a target? So we're about to go through the statistical oh, yeah. data. And you'll, most of the time, if there's going to be an issue in your church, what's, it going, to be, what's going to be the driving factor behind an active shooter? Domestic, domestic problem, domestic. right? Uh, a husband and wife getting in an argument or a fight or somebody trying to get custody uh, or some something going on. It's going to be some kind of domestic issue. Uh, very rarely is it going to be some kind of terrorism background, right? But either way, same outcome, right? We have to be prepared for it. So active shooter statistics between 2000 and 2013, the FBI did a data pool. Essentially what they did is they went into their system and they started to pull data of active shooter situations that have happened. Over the entire 13 years, there was 11.4 incidents happen annually. So the first seven years, 6.4, and then over the next half, it more than doubled, right? It was 16.4. So that jumped up pretty significantly, right? 70% of all incidents occurred in either commerce, business, or educational environment. 2014 and 15, there were 20 each that year. And then 60% of all incidents ended before police arrived. But here is the scary part. When the FBI did their data pool, it was four or more casualties. So imagine how the numbers would go off if, if the threes, twos, and ones were part of it, right? 2017, there were 39 mass shootings. So the term, we're just a small country church, that won't happen to us. That really doesn't apply to us anymore, right? So here's what it looks like. Between 2000 2013, 160 incidents, 1,043 casualties, 486 were killed, and 556 were wounded, or 557 were wounded. That's significant. And I'm telling these, these statistics to, to get you scared or upset you, but I'm, I'm telling you what the news will not tell you. And this is exactly why we need to be prepared. So here's the part that you really need to pay attention to. 
from 99 to 2015, same thing happened. There was a data pool. Places of worship, 1,198 events. 364 resulted in death, and the three main motivators were domestic violence, personal conflict, and robbery. So who here has people that come up to your church asking for handouts? Okay. So they come up, they're all nice, and they just, they're looking for 20 bucks. And you tell them that you don't have it. What usually happens? They get angry. They get mad. So tell me, what happens when you're on the backside of the church by yourself and you're talking to this guy? And you say, I don't have any money to give you. And he gets really, really angry. Now you're on the backside of the church with an angry guy who may be twice your size and nobody knows that you're there. So let's take it even a step further. What is the epidemic that we have going on in the United States right now? Opioids. Meth. So imagine that same individual being high on meth or opioids. It may take three or four of me to handle him. And I'm a pretty big guy. So we got to change our ways in our churches. Anybody have staff that works during the week at their church? Usually that's cons- that consists of what? Secretary. Ladies. 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 And many times those ladies are left by themselves. Because nobody wants to think that anything bad is going to happen in church. So we have to take that into consideration. Because if said guy shows up and he engages her, now she's by herself with this guy. We don't want that to happen. Alright? Alright. Anybody know what this is? This look familiar? Church in Texas? Sutherland Springs, Texas. Yes. All right. 58 people in congregation that morning. 26 were killed. The youngest was 18 months. The oldest was 77. No rhyme or reason why he picked his targets. Does anybody know why he was there? He was there to confront his mother-in-law. All right. So he got, he pulled into the parking lot and he got out of his car, and guess what he was wearing? Body armor. Head to toe in black. Had an AR strap across his chest. So that should tell you something. If I work on the security posture of my church and I see that coming, I can react, right? I can make something happen because of that standoff between our door and that person allows me to make some critical decisions, right? Dylan Roof, Charleston, South Carolina. Nine people he killed. Anybody know what was significant about that? What did he do? He went in and had worship service. He sat in a Bible study with the people that he killed. He killed everyone in that Bible study except for one lady. Anybody know what he said to her? I'm leaving you alive so that you can tell everybody what I did. Here's the part that you didn't see on the news. He walked out of the building, walked down the street, and tried to get into another church, and their doors were locked because they had security posture in place. And then Dayton, Ohio. This is the early Dayton. This is several years ago. Guy walks in, 
after service, walks up to the pastor. Pastor says, hey, how you doing? I haven't seen you in a while. Guy says, I'm doing just fine. Pulls out a gun and shoots him and kills the pastor. What was significant about that? It was his brother. Pastor was his brother. So I'm telling you this, I'm showing these statistics, and I'm, I'm showing you this data to tell you you don't know where it's going to happen. All right? And people in your church will say, and I, I'm not trying to get anybody upset about this, but people in your church will say, well, I'm in church. God's going to protect us. But you have to consider about the free will of man who don't have a relationship with Christ. Agree? Agree. Agree. Okay. So I can come into your church and I can help you deal with this. I can show you, and we're going to talk about it some. Right? So active shooter comes into your church, they make it into your church, what do we do? Anybody know what the FBI's kind of, what they go by, what they say to do? Tell what, after they start a shoot? Yeah. They say hide, but you need to run. Run, hide, hide, fight. Run, hide, fight. Right? So here's the thing. Let me tell you about why run for me is, I have to really consider if I'm going to run or not. Number one, you don't know where it's coming from. And unless you know exactly where the shooter is, and you know that you can get away safely, then I would say don't run. Number two, which you probably saw this downrange, is we had a problem with two active shooters. One going in and flushing the people out, and then another one waiting on the outside. So I am of the mindset that if I am close to a room like this, I would rather barricade myself in the room and take my chances that way. All right? But this is what the FBI says. Have an escape route and plan in mind to evacuate regardless of whether others agree to follow. Leave your belongings behind. There was a study done that set over 70% of all people who have found themselves in an active shooter scenario do what? They want to grab their phones. They want to grab their phones. Leave it behind. Help others escape only if you're able to. If one person goes down, how many people does it take to get them out? Two, Two to three. Prevent individuals from entering an area where the active shooter may be. Keep your hands visible. Follow the instructions of the police officers. Try not to move wounded people if they're out in an open area, like a fatal funnel, right? So if they're out in an area that, that is open, that has a, a long hallway or, or something like that, don't put yourself in harm's way. And call 911 when you're safe. Hide. If evacuation is not possible, find a place to hide where the active shooter is less likely to find you. So what that means is, is if I am in this room and I lock that door and I barricade myself in here, where in this room do you think is a good place to be? Back corner back here. Exactly right. Do I want to cover up that window right there on that door? Absolutely. Alright. Your hiding place should be out of the active shooter's view. Provide protection if shots are fired in your direction. Um, don't restrict your your options for movement. Lock the door. Block the door. Silence your cell phones or any other device that you have. Because I can tell you, if an active shooter situation is happening in your building, 
people are going to start calling you. They're going to want to know where you're at and what you're doing. You gotta, you gotta silence that device. Turn off any sources of noise. Hide behind large items and remain quiet. Who here's done a, an assessment of their church? Have you looked at all the doors, whether they swing in or out? Yeah. All right. So, what is an easy way? What is an easy object, a cheap uh, object that's effective that you can put in your rooms? The door wedge. Door wedge. Have you been in one of my classes? No. All right. We had an assessment done. The guy okay. showed us some of the stuff. See these little 99 cent door wedges mm -hmm. right here? Mm -hmm. You can put one of these in every single one of your rooms if the door swings in. Put it on the floor, kick it up under the door as far as you can. And if you want to move stuff, that's on you. But door wedges is a cheap and effective way to barricade your door. All right, because I'll tell you, I can kick a door in with a lock on it, mm -hmm. unless it's usually a still frame. And if it, even then, I probably could still get it open. But you have to take that door wedge, you gotta see if it works on linoleum, carpet, whatever your floor is made out of. You gotta see if it's, it, don't just put it in there and leave it and hope that it works. If your door swings out, run you an eye, an eye bolt through a stud, take you a piece of cord and wrap it, or, or however you get, however your door handle is on that door and wrap it around that door handle. All right, that'll keep them from getting in. All this stuff can be found at the hardware store, but it doesn't work if it's not tested. If you use it, test it, see if it works. And then fight. Take action against the active shooter as a last resort, and only when life is in imminent danger, attempt to disrupt and or incapacitate the active shooter by acting as aggressively as possible against him or her. I will tell you, if you get in front of an active shooter and they're in front of you, like as far from me to Mark, what do you think the best thing for me to do is? Run at him. Run at him. Close the gap. Rush him. Close the distance. That's what you want to do. Get as close and hit them as hard as you can. Get as close to them as you can. Because without that, you don't have a chance. All right? Close the distance. I heard you can cover 27 feet in three seconds. So... It's the, it's the 21 foot rule. So that is, if a person is standing 21 feet away from me and I have a firearm on my side, that person is holding a knife. He can come at me and stab me before I can get my sidearm out and shoot him and that's assuming I have a round in the chamber. So that's, that's three seconds. And you gotta remember, who here carries concealed? Let's just be honest. When's the last time you practiced with your uh, your holster on the side of your body? Yesterday. Yesterday. A couple weeks ago. <laughs> yeah. Most people don't practice. Yeah. They just like the thought of having a sidearm on their body. But uh, in order to get it out and get it in operation, you know, we'll go to the store and people will buy a sidearm and then they'll go pick out a cool G-Wiz holster and they'll put it in there and they'll put it on their body, but they don't realize they just bought a, a double retention holster. Yeah. Yeah. But you got to turn it sideways, lean it forward, stand on one foot, turn your head this way, <laughs> cough, and then maybe it'll come out. Right. And why not pepper gas? Pepper spray. I think anything is is better than nothing, you know. But pepper spray can be defeated, right? So you throw those variables in there, like the drugs and alcohol, and then just the pure rage. Right. 
Um, but I, to me, I think it's better than nothing. So. Might give you a second. What's that? Might give you a second. Yeah, it might. Yeah. Hit him in the face with something. All right, throwing items, improvising weapons, yelling, committing to your actions. Don't second guess yourself. If you commit to it, do it. It's like if you're going to carry a weapon and you're going to pull it out and point somebody, you better be able to use it. All right? There, there's no warning shots. There's no shots to disable. Now, ammo's too expensive, first of all. Amen. So, you know, I could shoot somebody in the leg, and if they have, if they're on drugs or something, they're going to keep on coming. He's still hold holding the gun. He's still going to be shooting, well, too. So, you shoot to eliminate. Shoot to destroy. Any questions on that? Anybody had any active shooter training before? Okay, so with this, what do you absolutely have to do if you put one of these, these um, plans in your church? What do you have to do? You have to rehearse. If you don't rehearse, it does not work. Because every idea is a great idea until it's time to put it into operation. So rehearsal, 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 and then you put it on paper, right? So I have some examples up here of some emergency plans that I've written. And then my handy-dandy little cards. All right, so take a look at these. Who has radios in their church? That They talk between each other. We're working on it. Right here, all right? Everybody in your church is always engaged in teams of two. Okay. Got to get away from that single person engaging somebody else on the sidewalk. If you see that there's a problem about to happen or somebody's about to get irritated or upset, got to get on your radio and call somebody. Right? You just don't ever know what you're dealing with. So active shooter. Okay. You got to take special emphasis with your children. All right, because your children are a whole new set of rules. All right, because your volunteers and the people that you're leveraging to take care of your kids, they have to know exactly what's going on. And then they got to develop that rapport and relationship with those kids so that they can hopefully keep them quiet and keep them settled down. All right, and then what's going to happen? How are we going to barricade our doors? What are we going to do with the kids? Is there a bathroom in the, in the uh, classroom? Can we all get them in there? I mean, what does that look like? Do we have window coverings over our windows? because you know, the, the last thing you want is somebody looking in your windows because they may be there for a specific reason, right? So there's a whole bunch of things that you have to think of when it comes to that. But I would start with my kids and my sanctuary and then work myself my way out. Because what we have in our sanctuary is that they're going to cause some, uh, some special circumstances. Who are the people in our sanctuaries doing our, doing our service? So, elderly, elderly yeah. special needs, wheelchairs, walkers, all these other things. And I'll tell you, really the only thing that you can do in a sanctuary is lock down the doors and defend. That's the hardest thing. You know, get as low as you can on the floor. Because once you start trying to shovel people out everywhere, it's just it's going to be picking season. Right? But you got to look at that. Okay? Strategically place your people inside your congregation so that they can take care of a threat. 
you know, what does your doors look like? Do you have two sets of doors or do you have one set of doors? Who's watching the back door? Because so many times in our churches, I'm the pastor, y'all are my congregation, who is the only person looking at the back doors? Pastor, pastor, me. Pastor. All right? And the standoff between me and that, those back doors can cause a person to come in and do a whole lot of damage really, really quick. So you got to strategically place your people in your congregation. Is the pastor part of the fight? What do you think? Can the pastor be involved? He could yeah. be. Could be, but let me ask you this question. Who here watches football? What do you do when your quarterback gets hurt? Ah, oh, there goes the season. <laughs> so if your pastor gets hurt or something happens to him, what happens to the the cohesion of that church? All right, so somebody needs to take care of the pastor and get him out of the way. He's not in the fight. All right? It makes sense? All right? You take the you take the leader out, the company starts to deteriorate, starts to break down. Okay, so the pastor's not part of the fight. All right, so how do reacts when law enforcement arrives? Who is the only people that can clear you from a room? Law enforcement. How about hey, it's Pastor John, open up the door. Hey, it's Firefighter Jones, open up the door. Alright, so how about, hey, it's Officer Kent. You're clear. Open up the door. Nope. What do you do? Police department. Show me your badge. Call the police. Call 911. Say, Officer Kent's outside my door. This is what he says his badge number is. Am I good to open up the door? Yes, you're good to open up the door. That's it. Nobody else. Not your other security members. Not firefighters. Not your best friend. Not your mom, nobody. Police officers, okay? So you're saying only verified police officers. That's what I would say. That's what I would say. Remain calm and follow officers' instructions. Put down any items in your hands. Best thing to do is open up your hands, spread your fingers. All right? Immediately raise hands and spread fingers. Keep hands visible at all times. Avoid making quick movements toward officers. Our ladies, they like to rush because they're upset and scared, and I get that. That's just a natural reaction. Try not to do that. Try to remain as calm as you possibly can. Avoid pointing, screaming, or yelling, and do not stop to ask officers for help or direction when evacuating. Just proceed in the direction they're telling you to go. Follow directions. That's it. All right? Any questions on active shooter? So now we know what it is, right? We put a definition with it. We got some statistics. We kind of got to figure out. We got a plan. We know what to do. All right, so let's talk about some indicators. These are the level one indicators where you should be paying close attention and engaging that individual and kind of finding out what they're all about. All right? Complaints about church standing on high level issues. An abrupt behavioral shift, that's that person maybe asking for the money or asking for help. Desires control, what do you think that means? What do you think desires control means? You ever heard of push-pull? Like people will try to pull you close to them or try to push you away with their body, their body actions or their eyes, try to get you in a compromising position. 
maybe push you into a room so it's just you two. All right, criminals are smart. Appears frustrated with church leadership and ideals. Experiences personal crisis. Anybody here counsel? Any counselors in here? Do you think counseling can turn bad? Easy. I have yeah. homeless women. Easy. But do you think it can turn bad? It could. Yeah. Okay. I've had to get very angry with me. So here's a little story about little E5 Sergeant O'Neill at Fort Benning. We ran a call one night, a domestic disturbance, get to the house, go in, and the wife is bloody. Her face is tore up, her body's tore up, the house is a wreck, and the husband has beat the heck out of her. So we take it, we throw him up against the wall. I got this young private beside me. We push him up against the wall, we're putting the cuffs on him, and out of the kitchen, here she comes. Bang! Hits that private right in the back of the head with a, with a bowling pot. Knocks him on the ground. Why do you think that happened? Interfering with their stuff. Yeah, so I can talk to my husband that way, but you're not going to. So what happens in a counseling session? couple going through a problem the husband starts getting rowdy because you know as men we love counseling sessions <laughs> right so now you and the husband are getting into a little uh, confrontation and she says I can talk to my husband but you're not going to do you're not going to do that so now you're behind closed doors no, nobody knows how long you've been back there they don't know what's going on and you're behind closed doors with two combative people and probably go south in a hurry right so be real careful with counseling. Experiences personal crisis, demonizes others, they're reclusive, have strange habits or peculiar discussions. All right, so these are the people that need to be engaged, need to be talked to, and you gotta find out kind of what their intent is. Category two, all right, this is where you need to refer them to law enforcement, maybe call that non-emergency number and say, hey, we got an issue at the church can you send somebody over here so that we can have some help? Verbally defends radical groups or ideologies, speaks about seeking revenge, associated with persons who have extremist beliefs, exhibits intolerance, personally connected to a grievance, intense ideological rhetoric, attempts to recruit others. If somebody shows up to your church and they're carrying a Quran, does that mean they're a bad person? Is that a good reason to engage them and find out what their intent is? Yes. Yes. Alright, so maybe they're just looking. Maybe they're searching. Maybe they're seeking. Maybe they're maybe they come to you and say, This is what my Bible says. Tell me what yours says. Do you keep an eye on them? Yep. Yes. Yes, absolutely. And then category three, that's where 911 needs to be called. This is where a distress word comes in really well. Like Christmas. It may be the middle of April, and your security team just knows that distress word and say, Merry Christmas, man. That means you're calling 911. Somebody's calling 911. Or on your radio, Merry Christmas. I love Christmas. Whatever. Pick a distress word. Advocates violence as a solution to problems. Verbal hatred for religion or church. Exhibit sudden interest in key personnel. Don't ever, ever, ever hand deliver anybody to your pastor or to your associate pastor or anything like that. Because you're just, if somebody comes up to you and says, where's your pastor? Don't hand deliver them to them. That's just asking for trouble. 
well, what can I do for you? He's, he's busy right now. Maybe I can help you. Hold on just a second. Let me get somebody that, that may be able to help you a little more. Get one of your other security guys. You come up, you engage at the same time, find out what's going on. Right? Or make threatening gestures or verbal threats. Anybody had any issues with this at your church? Anything at all? We had a couple on Facebook last year that we had to investigate. Okay. Anybody else? I need to come to y'all's churches. Had a guy show up with a machete one morning. We had two deacons beat the heck out of each other in the middle of service. We had a guy walking on remember since that guy walking in a complete camouflage carrying a gun in the middle of the service. What'd you do? Was he military? I said a lot of prayers because my daughters were back in the back and I was in the choir. And he sat down and later he did confront I the pastor and I were in the fellowship hall and fixing in something and he was into all this satanic worship and he started he was possessed really and schizophrenia so but he didn't do anything he didn't harm any of us but we really didn't know what to do was he open carry he had a I weapon think he did, I think he did I think he did I don't remember he, he was it's been a long time it was so he was total camouflaged and walked in just walked in and sat down and looked at us with a strange look okay so subtle changes work best in churches right because especially our elders our elders will get really upset really really quick so to just so as to not discourage learning and worship, how can we work on that? What could we have done? Yeah, nobody could see him but the choir and the preacher sitting there. Yeah. How could we have reacted to that? If somebody had been out in the lobby or something kind of watching the front, yeah. I would have been confronted before he got into the sanctuary. Or sunglasses on too. <laughs> what else? Try to confront him outside as opposed to inside. He's already in the sanctuary and he's already sitting down. At least two guys should have been two getting guys, up, yeah. kind of walking toward him, nonchalantly, yeah. whatever. But how did, they, how did they know well, that nobody saw him but the people in the choir? Did it bother that you? should have been the indicator. Did you see it? I mean, the choir. Okay. Uh, so maybe the choir. Uh, you didn't go like. You didn't have a sanctuary out no, there? No, we didn't. Congregation out there? Yeah, but he came up to very bad. Okay, so. Yeah. It's a good reason to kind of switch people around and kind of put people in different places in the congregation, right? Yeah, it is. So subtle changes work best. So if that would have happened in my church, I would have just, me as the security team, I would have got up and gone over and just sat close to them. Mm -hmm. All right? I would have put myself in a tactical advantage, all right, so that I could be close to this guy, and if he got up and attempted to do something, then we would handle it, all right? But also... Probably one of these category two indicators, right? Absolutely. Maybe call that police non-emergency number and say, hey, we got somebody kind of weird here. It doesn't cost anything to call the police. All right, so you probably could have called them and then you could have found out what kind of what's going on, right? Don't take chances in your church. All right, anybody else? Any other situations that have happened? Yeah, we had a situation where an individual came to our church, said he he was a relative of someone. He wasn't really a relative, he, he just knew the family. And what disturbed us uh, is that he kept going out to his truck. He go, oh, I forgot something, go to his truck, come back. I forgot my Bible, went back. He went out four times. 
So we, so there were two of us that went out and said, we'd love to have you. Mm -hmm. Don't know what you're getting from your truck, but you are making people very uncomfortable. Yeah. Well. You know, and so for the rest of the time, there were, there were several people that, as you said, hadn't thought about it. We sat close to him. Yeah. Many times that's all that you can do. But you have to take some kind of action. Whether it's a subtle move or a major production where you have to actually remove somebody out of the area and get them into another room and hold them there until the police arrive. I mean, it really is just according to what you've trained on and what the situation is. And what I forgot to add is what frightened a number of elderly people. He carried this huge knife and that's what people saw and that's what frightened and so we said look you forgot to mention that <laughs> <laughs> so that's what we told could yeah. you take that put it in your truck yeah. we really would prefer you not to bring it because you are really upsetting people. yeah i mean it's discouraging worship yeah. and that's what you have to say and we're going to talk about that as far as the weapons laws in georgia if somebody shows up in your church with an open carry you have to go along those same lines yeah. right Alright, so layer security. So we know what an active shooter is. We kind of know what the indicators are. So let's talk about how we're going to be on the proactive side of this. Alright? So, who here has a security team? About how many people do you have on your team? We have Four, eight. 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 Four. Fifteen. Fifteen. How big is your congregation? About eighty. Eighty. You got some awesome volunteers. Yeah, really? <laughs> we got 550 in ours. We can't get like three people. We got about 10. 10? We also have three nurses. Okay, great. Because security and medical response go hand in hand. Absolutely. All right, they've got to work together. My wife's trained in, bleed, in, in the bleed out training. She's a school okay. nurse. So she's an she's actual instructor. All right. So and a lot of school personnel have to be trained in the bleed out now. Okay. Because I'm a retired. So I guess you need to get those in the team too, yeah. I guess. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, you have they have to work together, right? So as the medical people are triaging potential victims or casualties, the security are the ones that have to secure the area. So you gotta kinda come up with a, a casual collection point and where are the medical personnel gonna bring everybody to, you know, it's kinda there's a lot of moving pieces that I, I can help you with that. So all right. So layer security, as I see it, this is not the way, it is a way, but this is the most effective way, and this is the way that the Army does it, all right? Layer security is the practice of combining multiple mitigating security controls to protect people, resources, and data. So everybody kind of get a, a mental representation of the top of your church, right? As you look down on it, maybe a, a satellite image. We want to work ourselves from the outside in. Where does your security start at a church? Outside. Where outside? Mine starts in the parking lot. In the parking lot. Right, the you can learn a lot about people, what their demeanor is, and what their intent is by the way they get out of their car. Some folks will get out and they'll be inviting and open and smiling and happy and look directly at you and, and kind of want your attention to see how you're doing. Some people will get out of their car and they'll look around and they'll go and put their concealed carry in the back of their belt. Yep. Thank you, you just told me what you're doing. 
If I'm going to fight with my wife, Christy, we won't have a crossword the entire week, but we'll fight on the way to church. That's right. All right? We will. So we'll get out of the car, and I don't want to see my best buddy that I haven't seen all week at church. I'm mad at my wife. My eyes and my, my demeanor, my, my posture is going to tell you that. And that gives me a reason to kind of, you know, engage you later, find out if you're okay, find out what's going on, something happened in your family, you're just fighting with your wife, your kid's sick, what's going on? Your body will, somebody's body will tell you Absolutely. what their intent is. Okay? I know when I went through Sears training up in Virginia, one thing you say the eyes tell all, and they will, but the other part of the face that will tell all is the mouth. That's right. Um, um, you cannot keep your mouth from narrowing when you're tense, upset, or something's on. Something's got you sidetracked, off track. And unfortunately, I have part of this is behaviors, threat domains, indicators. I have pictures of people who are um, whose faces are showing that right there, and that's a normal part of my my class. But it's just an hour is not enough to do it. So if I come to your church, you'll get it. All right. <laughs> So looking at the outside in, all right, at my church we have golf cart drivers. Even if you don't have golf cart drivers, you put somebody out in the parking lot, one or two people, right? And that person, if you have your radios, it should work seamlessly, right? So, hey, so-and-so uh, -so just got out of the car, they look like they're really, really upset, and I can't get over there in time to engage them. So who's the next people to engage them? The greeters at the door. Those greeters are trained the same as the people in the parking lot. And the people looking at the cameras are trained the same as the greeters. And the security is trained the same as everybody else. So it all works together. So outside looking in, all right, let's see if I have this. I just kind of picked, this is Noonday Baptist, I just kind of picked, uh, here's the playground and the two main gathering areas at this church, all right? So here's our first layer. This is the outside, the parking lot. Who here has a lot of uh, foliage or trees around their property? Do you ever go back there and look around? Well, we've been talking about it recently. It was pointed out to us that we need to watch the back and the sides right. because they're easy access. Just you and a buddy, take a take a walk back through there. Especially, I'm real particular about playgrounds too. All right. That's where our playground is. Is right yep. beside the woods. I was gonna say we so first layer, first layer. Second layer will be our greeters, which will be right here at the doors. And then the third layer will be whatever you have going on inside. Cameras, strategically placed security personnel. Greet, you can have another set of greeters on the inside before you get into the sanctuary. Your, your children's teachers need to be trained on what to look for. Because, I mean, it happens in churches, people they, they break up, they get a divorce, they have a kid. Um, I'm here to pick up my son. Well, we were told not to release your son to you. That's my son, and I'm going to go get my son right now. What do you do? All right? So you got to train them. And who comes to churches and why? Disparity, looking for handouts, counseling. What happened about the 2008-2009 era? What happened to the stock market? Took a nosedive, right? People lost their houses, lost their marriages, lost all their goodies, all their fun stuff. So they're walking down the side of the road, they're in a, a sense of disparity, and they turn and they look, and what do they see? 
a church across <coughs> missions, ministry, and what does everybody on this planet know that changes hands on Sundays? Money. Money. So the money goes from the offering plate to where? Office. Does it always go into a safe? Nope. No. No. Is it always taken to the bank by nope. somebody who has a weapon or can no. protect themselves? No, an 80 year old woman. No. <laughs> and you're talking thousands of dollars, yeah. right? It's something you got to consider, right? So, in the event that the stock market takes a, a crash again or something really bad happens, you guys need to be prepared for this because during the recession, there was a lot of this going on. There was a lot of problems at churches. Alright? But we come in and we we have this great idea that we're going to up our security program and we're going to get it going and nothing happens in four months and what do we do? We come live. We get complacent. Alright? You can't do that. And it doesn't take a lot of money to prepare your church. And if you rehearse, if you take... A manual. I can send all. The, I can send this to all of you. I can send a sterile copy to you, and you can make it your own. But put it on paper because if a, an event happens at your church, guess what your insurance is going to ask for? Yeah. What was your security plan? Yeah. Right. And then ministry safe. Anybody familiar with ministry safe? Yeah. All right. Something happens to one of your children. What are they going to ask for? Your Where's your plan to protect your children? Yeah. All right. Exactly. So the days of verbal, verbally trading information, those are gone. Right? Because insurance companies, they don't want to pay insurance. Okay? All right. Many will relate the words Baptist and ministry to support based on their knowledge that money is passed through the hands of church staff weekly. I highly encourage you to change your ways with your money if it's not being done right. Okay? Because it may not happen tomorrow, it may not happen in five years but it may happen next week. You just don't ever know, okay? Any questions on that? I know I'm force-feeding you right now, but I'm trying to get as much in as I can because you know, I only have a little bit of time with you guys. One of the biggest things we've done is narrow the points of entry. Yes, good point. This, this church, anybody go to this church? They have like 50 doors. Yeah. Right? You have to follow your traffic. If you don't follow your traffic to your greeters, you can't get eyes on everybody. And you're not going to see every single little thing. You're going to accept there's going to be a little bit of risk somewhere. But funnel your traffic, cut down on as many doors as you can to get through those people through three or four entrances. Is it going to upset people? Yes. yes. Will they get over it? Yep. Yes, they will. And if the pastor gets up there in front of the church and says, we're going to make some changes. If they hear from him, we're going to make some changes. It's for the safety of our families and the protection of our growth of our church. And we're going to start only having a couple of entrances. All right? People, they'll, they'll change their ways. All right? They'll get used to it. Especially the elders. They're going to be the main ones that get upset about it. But it's just a necessity. And you can back it up with facts. You can back it up with statistics. Okay? None of us know really what's going on within a, a, a mile radius of our churches. Right? So we did that around our church in Gainesville. There were 70, like 78 felonies in a month 
within a mile of our church. Okay. All right. Any questions so far? So, here's where I get most of my discussion. Before I start this, I want you to know that one of the lobbyists for this gun law and also one of the people that helped draft this law are in our building at the convention. So, I, I, what I tell you is exactly is right. All right, so you're going to get a lot of in different interpretations from what people think the law says. I'm going to tell you exactly what the law says and how it pertains to your church. Okay? So House Bill 60, who's familiar with it? Who's read it? I've read it. Who knows what the, it says in there about churches? What does it say? It says that a church has to adopt the plan to accept concealed weapons. That's right. Before someone can come in. The governing body has to give permission. Yeah. By default, what are you? No, you can't law. have any. You're a no concealed carry church or a no carry church. Right. Because Georgia is a non-traditional open carry state, which means if you pull out your carry permit, it does not say concealed carry, it says carry. carry. Right? So in order to have an open carry, you have to have that permit. Alright, this is what it says. In a place of worship, unless the government body or authority of the place of worship permits the carrying of weapons or long guns by licensed holders. What that means is, by default, if you don't vote, you're no carry. Your governing body is the only one that can vote to carry. Alright? And then that's recorded in your minutes, whoever your governing body is. So, as a pastor, can I say, we're a no concealed carry church, but I want you and you to carry. No. no. It's an all or nothing law. Now, there's a way around that. If you're church, your whole church membership is not your governing body, the pastor doesn't have to stand up in front of the whole church and say, I want everybody to know that we are now a concealed carry church. He doesn't have to announce it. So if, you, if the governing body does vote to be a concealed carry, I would recommend that you don't announce it to the entire church. Okay? But it is an all or nothing, all or nothing law. All right, persons found in possession are subject to a $100 fine and a misdemeanor. The law is all or none. Can a police officer come up to you and ask you if you are carrying concealed? By law. I think he can. No, he cannot. Police officer cannot. Can a security person? Yes. If, I'm on, if you're a security guy at your church, you can come up and ask me if I'm carrying concealed because you're not bound by the law. What does a police officer have to have in order to find a concealed carry on your body? Oh, sure. Some kind of PC for some kind of other crime. And then it goes into officer safety and I'm going to check you and, and make sure that you're, you're safe. Okay? And then if they find it, it's a $100 fine and a misdemeanor. Does anybody know what OCGA 16321 says? It says everybody in the state of Georgia is a, allowed to protect themselves in the lives of others. So it's kind of that gray area, right? It's kind of one of those things where you're not supposed to carry concealed if you don't vote, but a police officer can't ask you if you're carrying, but then there's everybody has the right to defend themselves. So 
you see kind of how it all yep. kind of works together here's what you need to worry about if you are not a concealed carry church or not a carry church there's two things you need to worry about one is insurance two is civil liability all right if you pull out your weapon and you shoot and kill somebody even though you may be within your rights and the law insurance and civil liability will probably come after you because they'll say they were an open silk church does that make sense yes the 10 percent rule i would be willing to bet everything that i have that says 10 percent at least of your congregations are already carrying now three percent of that of that 10 percent that's all it's going to take for somebody to, I mean, only 3% of that 10% will pull out their weapon on somebody. Because most people like the thought of carrying a weapon. They like the thought of having it on their side because it makes them feel safe. <clears throat> but it really takes a lot, right, to pull out your weapon and stick it in somebody's face. Can I do it? Absolutely. That's the way I've been wired over my career. He can probably do it. He can probably do it. And there's probably others that can do it. But it takes a lot. Who here deer hunts? How long have you been deer hunting, sir? Oh, gosh. 40 years. What happened the first time you saw a deer with your body? <laughs> Did this right here, right? Oh, yeah, big time. When's the last time you saw a deer or shot at one? Uh, last season. What happened? Same thing. Yeah. And that's a deer. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so imagine what happens when you pull out a weapon and point it at a human being. All right. Georgia is a non-traditional open carry state, which means you gotta have a permit in order to open carry. And that's a that's an interesting kind of thing to deal with. So how do you think we deal with it? Somebody comes in and sits down with an open carry. What do you think we say? What would you say to them? What would you say to them? Somebody came in your church with a gun on their side. You know what I say to them? Yeah. Uh, as we still allowed to have it. Okay. We actually had it in our church. Guy walked in, very nice guy. Mm -hmm. Two of our security personnel. We were we always mingle up front with our greeters, mm -hmm. and went up, greeted him, said, "Can we talk to you just a minute? Just want to let you know we respect your right to carry. I'm a carrier, but I have the right to carry also. Have a permit, <clears throat> but unfortunately, we have voted not to allow open carry in the church. You're welcome to stay, but we you like to take the gun back outside." Yeah. Okay. He took it out and he didn't come back. What if uh, what if you have voted to carry in the church? Like hey sir, we're glad that you're here. We're, yeah. we're really glad that you're here with us this this Sunday and we want you here with us. Yeah. But with you opening open carry, we would we don't want to discourage worship and learning. So if you don't mind, could you take that back and put it in your truck or take it home? And then come back and join us. Nine out of ten are going to do it. Some may not come back, yeah. but I'll be willing to take that chance, mm -hmm. yeah. right? Because everybody's going to be looking at that guy and not listening to the service, yeah. Yeah. listening to the, the message. And Georgia is a stand your ground, right? Where's the first time we heard that? Florida. Florida. Mm -hmm. Right, Trayvon Martin. It is a stand your ground state. All right, so what does concealed mean? All right, 
carried in such a fashion that does not actively solicit the attention of others and is not predominantly, openly, or intentionally displayed except for the purposes of defense or the self of others. People will go out, I've seen it, and they will buy the biggest, baddest <laughs> 1911 and stick it up under the, and they'll be like, no, I'm not kidding, Sue. <laughs> I don't want somebody to know I'm carrying concealed. <laughs> Am I carrying concealed right now? Yes, sir. Yeah. Right now, kidney. How do you know? This side. No, I thought it was You Can't see anything. I thought it bulge. All right. Such a term shall include but not be limited to carrying on one's person while such handgun is substantially but not necessarily completely covered by an article of clothing which is worn by a such person. I encourage you that if you're going to carry concealed, put your concealed carry into its posture either before you get out of your car or carry it in a bag into your church and then put it on your person. There's nothing comfortable about having a gun in your back while you're driving your car to church. Yeah, yeah, right. right? <laughs> or anywhere else. <laughs> and I'll tell you this, that in the summer months, even though I'm wearing this, many times in the summer months when I don't want to wear a jacket, I carry mine in a Bible case. Mm -hmm. And my security team, they say, hey, you got your Bible? I'm like, yeah, I got my Bible. Just a Bible case. Nobody, because I've got the Bible on my phone. But nobody knows the difference. So I just and I could put an extra magazine in there, and I'm ready. Right? I have a. Do you are you aware that there's ladies' purses that? Yeah. I, I typically don't carry a purse. Are you aware though? I know there's a lady in our yeah. church because she showed me. She yeah. said, "Look at this, Joyce," and she has a purse that you would not know. I just don't. And it's small. And she ha and I'm thinking, yeah. well, now how can you get that out in time to Only really use it if you needed to? Versus. Yeah, I typically don't like the way it goes with my eyes. Yeah, but you know, I mean, is no, that I, really I think that you gotta you gotta get what works for you, and the part the concealed carry purses are great if that's what works for you. But if she was like in church trying to protect somebody, it would take a while to get. That out. If, if, you, if you practice with it and get used to it, a lot of things. I know we found out in our church that, and we have we have a lot of folks that were committed to this. But a lot of folks, as you say, they buy a gun, they buy a holster, and to them, carrying it is simply enough. But the first hurdle we had was getting them to carry it around in the chamber. A lot of them thought, yeah. "I've got time to do all I need to do," and I don't buy into that. But yeah. the other is to get that gun out of that holster, or just to practice with. It. Yeah. A lot of them never even shoot it. So. So I don't I don't have my uh, I don't have my favorite slide up here. It's it's uh, favorite concealed carry myths, right? <laughs> Empty chambers or happy chambers? Yeah. yeah. Uh, everybody that works at Bass Pro is not an expert because <laughs> you know, they will tell you what they think that you need. And my buddy says this, and my friend says that. Here's what I will tell you about picking out the right weapon for you. Number one, go up and go to the counter and put several in your hand to see what is comfortable because shooting is 70% confidence. Yeah. So then once you find out what you think you like, go over to the holster side and find you a holster that you think you like. Take it back to the counter. Stick that weapon in that holster and make sure it operates the way it should. Right? I see some crazy, there's a guy that works at Academy by my house 
and I can't even stand to hear him talk yeah. because of some of the stuff that he, he tells these people yeah. because he thinks that it's cool to work at the gun counter. So go find somebody to go with you, find somebody that knows something about weapons, put it in your hand and see how it feels, right? I've run several ranges for churches, and I had a lady show up one time and said, my husband gave me this gun, and he said this is what I needed. And I was like, $1,500 Kimber, 1911, nice. I can see why he told you that that was a good weapon for you. For him, it was like this big. And the weapon was a full frame, you know? So just, especially ladies, find out what works for you. And if, if you want some examples or or something that I think works good, then I'll tell you what I think. But still, at the end of the day, you got to find out what's com what's comfortable to you. Okay. Have you seen a sneaky Pete holster? It just looks like a big box. It looks like a first aid kit. And I'm going to carry with that a lot. You make me nervous. You make me nervous. <laughs> 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 he makes so nervous. You make me nervous. No, but, uh, and then get some training. Get somebody to run a range for you. Start at the very, very basic fundamentals and work your way up. All right, shooting is a um, perishable skill. It goes away if you don't do it. So uh, just work on it. You know, have somebody teach you that knows what they're doing. With your uh, your carry permit, these are the the states that allow you uh, to carry in their state with a Georgia permit. Anybody know who the last holdout was? South Carolina. South Carolina. All right, so I went to South Dakota for Sturgis last week. Do I have to worry about every single state between here and South Dakota? Yes. Yes. No. No. It's, the, it's, the, it's your in place that you're going. It's the last place that you're, yep. Really? But if you're stopped on the road, you have to worry. Does that mean I can go to Maine through New York and New Jersey? It's, yeah. For real? Mm -hmm. I was scary. That's another scary thought. Yeah. I was stationed there for four years. Mm -hmm. All right. So it's your your in location. It's called reciprocity. Uh, I, I don't. You didn't hear me try to say it. Reciprocity. <laughs> that's yeah, it. That's, that's what it's yeah, called. But I don't try to say it because I jack it up. All right. So the ability to secure your personnel and assets will continue to become more important. You have to be creative. You have to be subtle in churches. Again, we don't want to upset our people. We don't want to get them asking a bunch of questions. I've got an old couple that has sat in the same seat for 10 years. We put a PTZ camera up above them, right? And it's, it is zoomed so far that I can read the small print on the bottom of the sheet music at the piano. But she came up to me after church and said, what is that thing out there? And I said, that's a pan tilt zoom camera. She said, I don't like to listen to that mood during church. I was like, okay. She was like, this tall. I'm like, okay. I was like, but it's here to keep y'all safe. I don't like it, and it's above my seat, and I don't like it being there. So that's the kind of stuff you can run into. All right, the need to be creative when implementing security strategies will improve postures and help mitigate the possibility of problems that may arise through the use of planning, education, and training. If you're going to go down this route and you're going to implement security in your churches, you have to rehearse and you have to get plans on time. I'll help you do that. I don't care if I have to make two, three, four trips to your church. I'll help you do that. It won't cost you a dime. We just got to get on the calendar. 
I can do ranges. I'll go to the store with you and show you some guns. It doesn't matter. It's that important to me, and that's what my buy-in is. And that's, you know, I spent the first half of my life serving my country. I want to do the second half of my life serving George Baptist. All right. And so anything I can do to help you guys, I have some cards up here. You guys can take a look at this stuff right here and tell me if you want me to send it to you. I'll send it to you on uh, email. And then uh, we'll just go from there. Any questions? I've, I've got one. You were talking about it being all or cared. I mean, all or nothing for the carry if the governing body approves it. Yes, sir. Well, in, in our county, our district attorney and a couple of our judges all said you can be selective about who. I don't think so. You can. It's, like the ball. I think it's, so it's a we, state law. Which if, if we vote. But it doesn't actually say that, though. It doesn't say all or nothing. That's well, it, it is. It is. We yeah. should interpret it that way. Yeah. Okay. Because it's it's a guns everywhere law, which the you know it's the right is given to everybody. Okay. You know. So I am correct, and this is what I was told before. It's like you're saying, if, if we voted to be a carry church, yes, anybody could carry it. Yes, legally. Anybody that has right. a anybody that has a carry a permit. That's what I tried to explain to my pastor. Of course, he told me the law was whoever had the gun. He used to be a policeman. Oh. I said, that's why so many policemen are in jail right now, right? <laughs> She's tough. But that's yeah, what you she mean. might be tougher than you. Used to, on the uh, gun permit, it said that uh, you couldn't carry in churches, government buildings, and stuff like that. Now they don't. They don't well, that's, that's, that's what it. the adoption on House Bill 60. When House Bill 60 was adopted, that changed everything. So I don't know if you know, but the same, the same law applies for schools. Oh, a, a school district can vote whether they want teachers to carry or not. It's the same thing. That's why when you go to some businesses, it says that they're not an open carry or whatever. Gun or no, no, yeah, no, no gun, no gun-free zone. Yeah, well, that's, that's a private business, though. That's different. Yeah. Yeah. That's just like if you come to my house, I can say, I don't want you to bring any weapons in. Yeah. We have that right as individuals. Yeah. But what you mean by all or none of when the governing body votes, it means they're saying that anybody who has a license to carry can carry. carry. But it can't, has to you be can't pick or choose. That's right. So, for example, there's a church out close to us, and they have a security team. Now, they have, and I don't recommend doing this if you're a no-carry church, they have stickers all over their doors that say this is a gun-free campus. All right, that's mm -hmm. just that's asking for trouble. <laughs> but they are a no-carry church, but the pastor has accepted a certain amount of risk, and I'm sure that he's probably talked to his insurance about it, that... He has picked his security team and said, you can carry, you can carry, you can carry, but he is not within the law. And that's where that civil liability is going to come and rip you apart. If something happens. Yes, sir. So if you have a, even if you have a security team, if you're a no-carry church, they can't, they're not legally, cannot carry you. They can't carry And I will argue that point with anybody that tells me that I'm wrong. There you go. Yes, sir. How, how liable is the church if they do not have a security plan? That's something that you got to talk to your insurance company about because every insurance is different. Whatever so, dollar amount they can get. Yeah, so that's that's really what it comes down to. And, and in addition, we I checked with 
our insurance company and a lawyer, and he said, not only is the church liable, insurance-wise, but the individual yeah. becomes liable if something happens. We had our insurance team or told us that I'm the, I'm the security chief at our church. The church is liable, I'm liable yeah. for anything that happens or fails to happen. Uh, and that's just gonna be a natural progression yeah. when something like that happens, so. So I am, my stance is, I'd rather have it than not have it. Yeah. And you have to have a plan. And it has to be on paper. Okay, now. We, we have a Christian school at our church. And this has been a big sticking point. It uh, is for every single school that's on any church campus. Yeah, that, that's one of the reasons we haven't been able to have it is no. because of that academy that's, that's in place. Even though on Sunday and Wednesday night, the church is not, I mean, the school is not actively functioning that's right it is part of of the body it's a private school yes see okay. that's where they get around this right here because schools can vote but that's where they're getting around that okay because it's a private school okay okay our associational complex which used to be an old school and we're in I think the most crime ridden Spalding County in, in Georgia which is one of the drug biggest drug deals are right across the railroad track and everything so we're in bad but there's they have allowed a school a Christian school to come into our complex now we've been told that we can't even have security there because the school is there it's a school uh, I would argue that that's wrong all right so what is the law on that that's what I want to know a security team just don't call it a security team call it a safety team all right can they carry guns not if it's a private school that's my whole point there's so many guns in that community. I know. So my solution is to get the school out of there. <laughs> Sounds like a good solution. So really, we can't. So we can't have a carry. Like we've had uh, again, speakers, it's gonna, it's and we can't come back down to what your insurance is going to cover. So that's something I don't know that we really need to take up. Yes, sir. Hiring off-duty police officers, or they can carry anywhere they want. Yeah. That would supersede most everything. They can carry. Do you have to have a, 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 an agreement in the church to do it? No, a police officer can carry anything anywhere they want to. Like I have these four police officers out here; they're all carrying. So. So that can be your security team. Absolutely. Do they have to be a current police officer? Uh, retirees are allowed to carry a gun too. Yeah. yeah. So. Say they used two years ago be a police officer. I mean, they can't be like a police officer that got out of the police force and now they're just okay. a civilian. Right. You know. To me, carrying a weapon is like having a spare tire or a fire extinguisher your car. You hope you never have to use it. Yeah. But, but it's nice to know how it when you do. You're right. We're hosting for the community, trying to get all of our members to an active shooter training event mm -hmm. and the Stop the Bleed event. Mm -hmm. And it's amazing to see that the majority of the church members that have signed up are our old ladies. No offense. That now, I, now I love it. I love but, it. But, you know, I'm thinking, yeah. where are all the men of the church? Well, but, you know, by yeah. default, a man thinks that he's in trouble. I'm not trying to be any way. We just think that we think we're at weapons experts. We think that we can handle anything. And I love the fact when I run a range that I have 10, 12, 15 
ladies show up and I had one woman show up down in Cuthbert and she had like a 1890 little Derringer pistol and I'm like where'd you get that it looks like it's like really old and I don't know if anything's in it you know she wanted to shoot man she was 91 years old and she was ready to shoot she probably would have done it too but you know it's just that's part of it you know and and personally with Atlanta being the number one sex trafficking town in the country and the way women are exploited and taken advantage of I think it's extremely important Any questions? If I didn't go into something far enough, or you want more information, or you need something, just call me or email me. Yes, sir. Just one question. You're talking about running the range or, and, and maybe doing some training or something like that. Do you like, you come and set that up in an area, or are you? The only thing can I you really, help us find the, folks to do The only that? thing I really need is a piece of property. Okay. I can bring the targets and stands and everything else and you'll actually do some training and stuff like that okay. i come to your church if you want to do an active scenario uh active shooter scenario or a vignette or something like that i mean we can do that too but i'll tell you most churches have not had any kind of evacuation of inclement weather active shooter missing child nothing so we're very very vulnerable right now Any questions? You guys have been really, really quiet. I believe that y'all are probably my biggest critics. <laughs> I'm just concerned. I told you, the FCA outdoors. I'm just concerned we're the youngest ones in here. <laughs> <laughs> I went to a church three weeks ago and I did about a two hour training session and man everybody in there was probably 75 or older there was one guy in a wheelchair on oxygen another one on a walker but we've got to get the younger generation involved because they a lot of times they put blinders on and think that you know oh, it won't happen to me or oh you know that stuff only happens to other people and we got to get the young generations. I mean, like, younger than y'all. How old are you? 29. Oh, yeah, younger than you. Like, early 20s. Well, younger ones, too. There's a stigma for the, our younger generation yeah. with firearms and stuff. So. And I'll, I'll tell you that many t uh, when I, if I come to your church and I start talking about baseline behaviors and indicators and uh, situational awareness, which is huge, uh, that is changing your mindset and, and changing the way you think about um, going to the grocery store, filling up with gas. I mean, you don't really want to stop in McDonough at one o'clock in the morning if you didn't fill up with gas. You know, what's between Macon and Savannah on 16? Do you really want to run out of gas on 16? So, you know, changing your situational awareness, changing your mindset, and understanding that when you um, you get that pit in the bottom of your stomach or the hair on the back of your neck stands up because you've seen that creepy guy in the fourth aisle of the grocery store. That is the body's natural reaction to something not being right. But as a society, what do we do? Oh, it's got I'll blow it off. Oh, yeah. So, you know, this is just a very, very small snapshot of what I can offer to you guys. Yeah. Well, you know, another thing you mentioned, like deer, shooting deer, you get that little heart flutter, the buck fever, as we call it. Yeah. 
when it concerns this other situation, you start getting tunnel vision, the faster right. your heart beats. I mean, you get to the point where your, your vision right. is down to just nothing. And see, what I do on some of my ranges, depending on what the age group is of my of my of the people I'm training, I'll stick a, a mic in their ear or we'll do some kind of something to get the heart rate up and then it completely changes everything. It does. You know, you throw in some kind of distractor or something like that and it'll, it'll change it. So I try not to do too much running and push-ups because I don't want that. You know, medical <laughs> liability. <laughs> you know. So all right, well thank y'all for coming to my class. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.